0: It's Drags, and it's Wednesday, November 21st, and it's time for episode 272 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at CLNSmedia.com and follow us on Twitter at Patriots CLNS for all of your football coverage, including the Patriots. It's the Thanksgiving episode of the pod, that is, if you're a Patriots fan, and the Turkey Day episode, if you're a Jets fan. Maybe that's a little too harsh. Here to discuss it all is one of the finest football writers in the land, Brian Costello of the New York Post and WFAN. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. How many years on the Jets slash New York football beat for you?
1: Uh. Jet speed alone has been – this is my eighth season. Uh, so I did one other season before that, filling in for somebody overall. And a uh, it was New York football, is probably 13, 14, something like that, mid-2000s. And I also did some baseball. I was doing everything back then. How much so, fun uh, is it? It's been eight years. How much fun is it? It's fun on Sundays. I love watching the games. Sometimes it gets a little tedious during the week, you know, trying to come up with stuff and – uh i storylines when there's not much there. You know, looking at it right now, Jets are three and seven and there's six weeks left in the season. So it's kind of daunting right now. What the heck are we going to be talking about for the next six weeks? But, uh, I can't, can't really complain about getting paid to watch football.
0: Uh, you were there for, uh, 2012, right? Thanksgiving night. Yes. Mark Sanchez. I was there. Was butt fumble. I was there as well. Yep. And I, when, when it happened, I got to tell you, and, and people ask me, wasn't it hilarious when it happened? When it happened at the moment, yeah, you, know, you and me were both in the press box. I'm like, what the hell just happened? Right? You
1: remember that play? You know yeah. th- that that reaction to the yeah. play? Yeah, I I always people ask me that too, and it wasn't the play itself that I remember reacting to. It was the sequence of events. You know, they scored, Patriots scored three touchdowns within like <laughs> right. a minute or something <laughs> crazy. Remember, um, I can't remember was it Stephen Ridley that had the long short? It was a short pass. He turned into a long touchdown or a beat Bart Scott. And then I think the Sanchez play happened, and then Joe McKnight fumbled on a kickoff, and uh, I think it might have been Edelman returned it for a touchdown. Yes. Back then he was a special teams player. And so it was like all of a sudden the Patriots were 21 points in the blink of an eye in the second quarter. And, and I kind of remember that sequence more than the play itself when Mark fumbled, And, of course, it wasn't until weeks later that it, I realized what that play was going to become when it just in. He was showing on ESPN over and over and over again.
0: Um, at least that provided some comedic relief. Then there's the most recent. Yeah. Drunk driver episode that uh the drunk driver who blamed the uh, jets for his in sobriety yes. <laughs> I drank too much because the like, jets suck that would be fifty seven year old Christopher J Shock of uh West Milford, New Jersey, if I'm pronouncing his name incorrectly, I guess who cares because he was charged with drunk driving that was after the forty one to ten loss to the bills um, yeah seriously, the surreal nature of the j e t s is pretty hard to believe, right.
1: That game was crazy because um, you know they hadn't played very well in the few weeks before on offense, but defensively they they've done a pretty good job. They lost twenty four ten to the Bears in Chicago, and it was a seven three game at halftime. It was really close. The offense just couldn't do anything, and eventually the Bears broke through, and then they lost in Miami thirteen to six when the only touchdown scored was a pick six thrown by Sam Darnold. So the defense is, was doing pretty well. So for the and then the Bills. Came in there with Matt Barkley, and they hadn't scored. I think they had scored 33 points in the last four games or something like that. They come out, and they were up 31-0 in the first half. It was shocking. Um, it really was a, a stunning game, and probably one of the worst gets games I've ever seen, which is saying something.
0: Well, um, you must be uh, able to read my uh, screen right now because I was going to ask you where the 41-10 home loss to one of the three worst teams in the NFL yeah. Uh, before this past weekend's by rates as uh, worst moments
1: in recent Jets' misery? It's up there. You know, I mean, there's different kinds of worst moments, obviously. You know, they've lost AFC Championship games, in this kind of a different category. Um, but in terms of just ugly, ugly losses, uh, this one was way up there. I, I have a hard time remembering one that was worse than this because, you know, they've gotten blown out by the Patriots, 45-3 in 2010. People remember or uh, other times, but... Tom Brady with a quarterback. So you're kind of like, okay. And a couple of years ago, the Colts destroyed them on a Monday night. It was Andrew Luck. They'll you know, pick them apart. This was Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley signed with the Bills on October 31st. he has been in the building for two weeks. He hadn't started a game in two years. The receiver that killed him was some guy named Robert Foster that they signed off the practice squad the day before. So it was like the quality of opponent to lose like that 41-10 just made this one feel a lot worse than, than anything i have seen in a while.
0: Uh, I think what really made the news uh, after that game was Jamal Adams, right? The way he called out his team and the coaching staff. I mean, Jamal. Let, let, let's give it some context here, Brian. Speaking with Brian Costello of the New York Post, Jamal Adams had uh, given a lot of praise to Todd Bowles, the head coach, right? I mean, he, he yeah. had publicly come out and said he really supports him. He loves the way Todd Bowles runs the team. But then forty-one to ten happens, and you know the script is kind of flipped after the game when Jamal Adams calls out everybody
1: right yeah he was you know he this week wasn't actually as bad as the dolphins week he said when he was he was going he was sick of losing he was tired of it this one wasn't quite as bad and then he was asked on a radio show a couple of days after the game about um he made comments in the offseason about the losing culture around the jets when he was drafted in 2017 and how he was trying to change that and they asked how to change and he said no so that was pretty damning. You know, right. Jamal says he didn't mean anything about the coaches by saying that. He, he wasn't trying to do anything. But it's pretty damning to say that there's still, you know, there's losing culture in the building um, when Todd Bowles is now in his fourth year trying to get rid of that culture.
0: Um, Bill Belichick on Tuesday uh, during his um, press conference with the Patriots beat reporters mm-hmm. um, signaled out or singled out uh, Jamal Adams as one of the most talented um diverse uh, and certainly versatile players that the Jets have. Yeah. Uh, he actually considers him more of a linebacker than a safety. Yeah, You, you kind of read it that way also after watching him?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was, you know, um, an interesting statement from Belichick. He, he, Jamal plays like a linebacker. If you watch him, he plays most of the time he's in the box. Most of the time they do not have a two-safety look. They leave Marcus May as the the single-safety high and have Jamal play up close to the line of skirmish, and he's a very good tackler. Uh, He's a good blitzer. So he does things that you're kind of associated with a linebacker. I kind of tease some of the people at the Jets that he's the best linebacker they have. He's the best safety and best linebacker. Um, So he's a very, very good He's a force for the Jets inside. Um, He's not what you think of as, like, a center fielder safety, and that's probably why he doesn't... He only has one career interception. He, he doesn't play back very much. He's really close to the line of scrimmage usually. So I thought what Belichick said was an accurate statement.
0: Another defensive player I want to focus on a little bit is Leonard Williams. And if you think he's lived up to, mm-hmm. to his draft pick or how, is he a yeah. disappointment or where does he rate with Jets fans right now?
1: Yeah, somewhere, somewhere in between. <laughs> I mean, you can't call him a disappointment because he, he's probably if he's probably the second best player on the team next to Jamal, um, and was the first for the number one player probably last year on the team. Um, he's, he's great against the run. You see him blowing up plays. He just doesn't have the pass rushing ability that you want from a number six pick. And, you know, he doesn't have a lot of sacks. He had one season where he had a lot of sacks, but for the most part, it, it's been low sack totals. Um, but, you know, I, I still think he's a very good player. I think he just gets judged through the prism of being the number six pick. And with that pick, you kind of expect a huge impact that he doesn't right. have as big of an impact in the passing game as some fans would like.
0: I asked Mike Rodak of ESPN in Buffalo the same question about the Bills. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you, Brian. Um, where is the real reason for hope, short term and
1: long term, for the Jets? Uh, short term, uh, <laughs> there's not much hope right now. You know, this season is not about playing at the string. In the long term, they're hopeful about Sam Donald. You know, and I think there's there's been some things to be helpful, hopeful about with Sam this season. Uh, he's shown a lot of promise. He does some things that you can't keep. He's had some bad moments, too, and he's been a, a, very much a rookie quarterback at times. But this is the first time in a long time that the Jets have had hope at that position. You know, they've gone through a lot of different people. I think you have to go back to Mark Sanchez uh, to, to find the time when there was really – this much hope about the quarterback you know geno smith i don't think ever made the fans hope that much and then they've been through older guys since then ryan fitzpatrick and josh mccown so i think that's the hope for the long term uh they have a hundred million dollars in cap space yeah. approximately this offseason they're going to have a top five draft pick again probably or top 10 at least and i think they're going to be making a coaching change at the end of the season so all of those things that just fan gives you reason for to hope for 2019 and beyond
0: Speaking with Brian Costello of the New York Post and WFAN in New York. Hey, everybody, I want to tell you about the future of journalism. If you haven't seen it by now, here's your chance to join a sports revolution. It's called The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash patsbeat, all lowercase, and sign up now for 40% off. That's The Athletic dot com slash patsbeat all lowercase for your first subscription to, to the Athletic for less than three dollars a month. I was just reading Jeff Howe's terrific first half. Patriots Awards, the Blitzies, which include the GOAT, Andy Bernard, and Michael Scott Awards. Go read Jeff and find out what the hell I'm talking about. Then there's Matt Chatham's great weekly insight to the X's and O's. The Athletic is a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard fans. The model is simple. No ads, no pop-ups, and no autoplay videos. Instead, readers subscribe for authentic, in-depth coverage written by journalists who know their teams inside and out. Go to theathletic.com slash patsbeat, all lowercase. Again, that's theathletic.com slash patsbeat for 40% off. Subscribe now and be part of the future of sports journalism. Speaking with a, an outstanding journalist himself, that would be Brian Costello covering the Jets for the New York Post and WFAN. You spoke of um, Sam Darnold, and I mm-hmm. want get, to get your impression, Brian, of his development. I mean, You said there's a lot of hope with Sam Darnold, and I would think so as a first-round, you know, upper-echelon draft pick uh, at the quarterback position. Do you think the kid is the real deal at just 21 years of age?
1: You know, I think he is. I I think he has the potential to become a very good quarterback. You know, does that mean he becomes... Uh, a Matt Ryan, does it mean he becomes a Matthew Stafford, you know there's various degrees, I'm not going to pin something on him that he's going to become Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers right now you need to see more, but he's got tools there, he's very mature Um he, he has some skills that you just can't teach, the key for him and the chess is going to be putting pieces around him, there's really not much around him right now and the coaching he gets, and how that, that you know, I, I think the Monday night game this week was a great display of offense in the NFL right now, right? Sure. <laughs> Sean McVay has done for Jared Goff. I mean, the Jets would sign up for that. If they could find someone like that that could come in and click with Darnold like McVay has clicked with Goff. You know, I think everyone remembers Goff being kind of written off as a rookie. Some people were questioning what, what he would become. Um, you know, and then the coaching change really helped him. So I think that's the key for Darnold is the coaching and, and what they put around him uh, the next few years. Uh,
0: there's a, there's a word that is used to describe, um quarterbacks who develop into something really special, and that's stature. And that's the, the, the one word that I, I guess I, I, I wonder about with Sam Darnold when I watch him play. Does he have that stature? I, I gotta tell you, I mean, the opener in uh, Detroit, that Monday night game, yep. he certainly looked like he had the stature, but I guess, you know, he had the kind of, uh, ups and downs that any rookie QB would have, yep. right?
1: Yeah, he's had some really good games. You know, he threw for, uh, yeah, really you know, the Colts in the middle of October where it was like, okay, I nice, kind of see it coming. And then since then he hasn't been able to duplicate that. And in Miami a few weeks ago, he had four interceptions. Um, you know, a couple of them were late, uh, in the game desperation type things, but he was forcing the ball more than I anyone. Mean, We've seen him force it during the season. A lot of, he has 14 interceptions, which is the most in the NFL, but. There weren't a ton of bad interceptions um, until that Miami game. The Miami game, there were some really bad ones. And so, um, you know, I think it's going to be interesting. He's dealing with a foot injury. I'm not sure if he's going to play Sunday against the Patriots. We'll see uh, how, the, how the week develops. But uh, the last this last month of the season is really about Sam Donald for the Jets and how he develops because he's kind of taken a little step back here in the last month, and he had the injury where he didn't play against the Bills. Um now can he regain that form that he was kind of showing in mid-October down the stretch here and go into the offseason feeling pretty good about himself is going to be the big question.
0: Okay, you mentioned putting pieces around Sam Darnold and you mentioned the one hundred and
1: what five million dollar space they're gonna have something like that? I, I, I think it's it's about a hundred million. I think it's the website says that track I think have it at about ninety six million right now, but you, you know they're gonna cut a few players that it's gonna go up, but it's right around a hundred million.
0: So do you know where I'm going with this?
1: Who are they gonna spend it on?
0: Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> Is yeah. that a possibility? Oh, I think it's a distinct possibility.
1: You know, and I think if you talk to people around the NFL, uh most most people if you ask where is on Bell gonna end up with, say the Jets. I think he gets their they're kind of the favorites to land him, um, because they have all that money. They clearly need a playmaker like Levion Bell is, uh, to give to give Sam Darnold something to work with. Um, so I think they are going to be heavily involved in the bidding. Do they get him? I'm not sure. You know, just like her cousins last year. They were, they bid more than anybody else, but Kirk Cousins chose to go somewhere else. So maybe Levi Bell looks at it and says, I'm not going there. You know, uh, I'm going to go to the Colts and play with Andrew Luck or something like that. Um, but I, I am pretty sure that they are going to be deeply, deeply involved in, in uh, bidding for Le'Veon on Bell come March.
0: Do you think it's, um, I don't know if disturbing is too strong a word, but uh, unsettling that um, you're the New York Jets, and obviously you play in the, the biggest market? In the world, uh, certainly in the football world, and you're having trouble attracting a free, or you you wonder about the ability of the team to attract free agents um, to the city. You yeah, find that I think, odd? Yeah,
1: that's troubling. Uh, you know, I don't think it's so odd. Cause I I just think the world has changed. You know, I I know New York is a base market, but um. You know, the, the world has changed so much that I think all the, all 32 NFL teams kind of have the same feel about them now. Even, you know, Green Bay is the smallest market, but that doesn't feel like, don't feel like they're the smallest team. Right. Uh, the salary cap, I think, has something to do with that. I think, I think it's disturbing for the Jets, just like it would be disturbing for any team, not to be able to attract free agents. I think, um, you know, I don't think they were bothered last year that Kirk Cousins basically said thanks but no thanks to $90 million and decided he was going to visit Minnesota and sign with dad right away. Um, you know, but those are rare instances to me. I think most of the time the money is going to do the talking. And if the Jets, are the highest bidder they are going to get people. Um, but the, the Cousins thing was kind of a unique situation, I think.
0: Speaking with Brian Costello, outstanding Jets reporter and columnist for the New York Post and WFAN. Hey, everybody, I want to tell you about an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFS options, and cryptos all commission-free. It's called Robinhood. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. It's a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. The ease of using the app is second to none. For me, when I use it, their intuitive, clear design makes it easy to track my investments and portfolio performance. There's no commission fees. Other brokerages uh, charge up to $10 for every trade, but Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees. You can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio now. Sign up at patriots.robinhood.com. That's patriots.robinhood.com. Speaking again with Brian Costello of the New York Post covering the New York Jets. Okay. The head coaching position, which you referenced earlier, the future of Todd Bowles, what is it?
1: I think he'll be looking for a job at the end of the season. Uh, I don't think they'll make a change in the season. There was some discussion of that after the Bills game, the 41-10 loss, uh, but the ownership decided to stick with him. And that's, you know, they haven't fired a coach in the season. The Jets haven't done it since 1975, so this ownership has never done it. Uh, And I don't see them doing it unless they get into a situation where there's a college coach maybe that they really like, like a Lincoln Riley or something, and they feel like they have to move quickly to beat other teams. Maybe they do it with a few weeks left in the season then. But other than that, I think – I'll be here for the rest of the season, but I do think they'll be moving on after the season unless there's a dramatic dramatic uh, run here at the end of the year, like 6-0, and a finish to the season, and I don't see that happening.
0: You tweeted, um, the Jets
1: have, and I found this
0: surprising, the Jets have not, not lost five straight under Bowles since yeah. he took over for Rex Ryan since the 2014 season, following the 2014 season. I'm just surprised yep. by that.
1: Yeah, they've had a bunch of four game moving streaks. <laughs> They're <laughs> under, uh, especially the last couple of years. They've lost four in a row a few times and three in a row, but it's never gotten to five in a row since Brexit last year when they started one and eight. They lost eight in a row that year. But um, yeah, they've been able to stop streaks. So, that streak's on the line Sunday against the Patriots, I have a feeling, you know, they might lose five in a row uh, for the first time this year.
0: Can you name the last coach? With a career winning record, coaching the Jets, Brian. Trivia.
1: With a, with a career, mm. a career winning record, coaching uh, Bill Parcells. Other no. I than Al Groves. Yes, Algrove, there no. you go. Do you count nine and seven. All right, yeah, that's yes. Yeah. Then nine and seven. Uh, I don't really count <laughs> one year, but yeah, and then Parcells before him. Correct. Yeah, it's been ugly, and I mean, yes. all of his winning percentage right now. The only Jets coach who's ever coached 30 games for the Jets who has a worse winning percentage is Richie Kotite, which that's like a curse word with Jets fans saying Rich Kotite. So that, that's not bad. Uh, it's been for balls.
0: That would have been four and 32 or four and 28. Yeah. He had lasted 32 yeah. games, Correct.
1: Yeah, four and twenty-eight, right? Yeah, yeah. He won three the first year and won the next year, and then they they booted him. Yeah, so Bowles has been a lot better than that, but uh, it's, it's it's been ugly. But when you look at the the three coaches
0: before Todd Bowles, each one of them you yep. thought had potential to like take the team to the to the next level. Herm Edwards, yes. with the energy, Eric Mangini of the you know, Belichick tree, obviously, uh, and uh, yeah. and uh, Spygate, and then Rex Ryan. And of those, probably Rex Ryan, well, not probably, he did bring the Jets the closest to
1: where they wanted yeah. to go. Yeah, you know, Herm kind of ran his course here. He was unsuccessful, though, uh, with Chad Pennington. They went to the playoffs several times and, and came close, but then it just sort of got sour at the end uh mangini i think in hindsight uh they gave up on too quick probably you know they they that was uh, he had that 2008 season where far was his quarterback and they were eight and three after they uh remember they beat the patriots on that thursday night when castle was quarterback that dramatic overtime game and then they beat the 10 and 0 titans to go Mm -hmm. to eight three and it was like okay they're going to the super bowl and then far hurt his arm and they ended up finishing nine and seven and mangini was fired and You know, in hindsight, that that might have been a mistake because I think Eric had something going here and Rex benefited from taking over Eric's team the next year or there was a lot of talent there. But then with Rex, you know, they had that run and then they just couldn't kind of put the finishing touches on the team to to get over the hump and things. The roster started to kind of fall apart after that and they made some bad decisions and that was the end there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's... Each coach, except for Todd, has gone to the playoffs in his first season with Jets. You know, Herm, Eric, and Rex, and there was there was hope in the very beginning there, and just never seems to work out for the Jets.
0: All right, from a selfish point of view, how much do you miss Rex Ryan, uh, and how much do you think Jets yeah. fans miss him?
1: Uh, I miss him sometimes when those press conferences with Todd are five minutes long <laughs> He gives no answers. You know, I mean. But the other side of Rex was uh, you were on call basically 24 hours a day because you never knew when he was going to show up giving the middle finger at an MMA fight or he going to be running with the Bulls in Pamplona and, uh, you know, whatever else, all the other Rex antics that you ended up having to deal with away from the field. But uh he was fun at times to cover just because he would say things, you know, and most coaches don't say anything. I think the fans really miss him. Um because they they're really tired of Todds saying nothing I and mean, you know I think New England fans are, they they don't mind Bill Belichick not saying anything because they have all those rings and all those trophies to look at when you don't have those trophies it's a lot harder to deal with a coach who uh says nothing
0: from the New York Jets fan uh perspective and from your perspective covering the team is that cloud is that cloud of 1999-2000 uh 2000 to be exact, uh, still hovering over the franchise.
1: With Belichick, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't get that sense, to be honest with you. You know, I I don't... People... I don't think fans dwell on that as much, and it's funny. Some younger fans don't even know what happened. You know, I've had some younger fans, and they're like, what do you mean? It's, It's a funny time period that it happened in, because had it happened four or five years later it would have been all over YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. Like it happened before the internet really became the internet, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like only recently have I really seen the film of that press conference surface with the 30 for 30 on ESPN. Um, You know, and then, you know, Connor's Belichick book obviously revisits that heavily. So it's kind of become a topic again lately, but it happened in a funny time period there where I think if it happened in 2005, let's say, there would have been video of it everywhere, but you don't see that press conference a whole lot. It's kind of become legend, you know. So um, I don't think they dwell on that as much. I think it's just more overall the just misery of being in the same division as the Patriots for all these years and, and watching them win, uh, I think that bothers them more than the fact that Belichick was, was their coach for a minute.
0: Josh McCown going to probably let, let's go on the assumption Josh McCown is the the quarterback, uh, this Sunday again. And he of course gave the Patriots everything they could handle, uh, last year, uh, down at MetLife. Yeah. Um, what has to happen for this to be a competitive game?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, they've played the Patriots competitively at MetLife. Uh, I think it's been a touchdown game the last five games, maybe under a touchdown and the Jets won, actually won a couple of those. Um, I, I think, You know they play the Patriots differently than they play other teams, so I think this could be a competitive game. McCown has to play a lot better than he played against Buffalo, if it needed is him, Um, or even and if it's Donald, he has to play better than he's played. It's and really their whole Jets offense just has to get going. They they have just been terrible lately, and they 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 get behind early in games. They haven't scored on the first drive of a game this season. They scored 24 total points in the first quarter this season, 24 points. So. In all but two games they've trailed. So it's it's really to me the start of the game is big to me. If the Jets can come somehow come out and get a lead and play from head for once, maybe they can do something here. But uh the Jets defense isn't bad. You know, I think Patriots fans will watch this and be like, How the heck did the Bills score forty one points on them? I don't think that's gonna happen again, even though the Patriots are much better than the Bills. I think that was just an off day. And the Jets defense has some talent in it. Uh, and I think they will play the Patriots' offense tough. To me, the question is can the Jets' offense get anything going? Um, can they put up enough points to make this a competitive game?
0: Yeah, I think, I actually think it's going to be a competitive game. I just, You know, in the end, I think the, the Patriots, who by the way, Brian, um, their worst quarters are the first quarter and the third quarter and Belichick addressed that this week. So it's a, it's an interesting matchup for the Jets. If they can get out to a quick lead, I'll tell you what, you know what this game reminds me of, Brian? It reminds me of the Tennessee game for the Patriots going into the bye where they had an, they, there was a team who couldn't score to get out of their own way, you know? Um, and Mariota was not in, Uh, in any rhythm whatsoever going into that game. And the uh, Titans just played smash mouth with the Patriots, and they got out to a quick lead, and they dictated the tempo from the get-go.
1: Yeah, I watched some of that game. I haven't watched the whole thing yet. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I think that's the formula for the Jets. I think they'll follow that same formula. And, really, their run game has been, like, Hasn't been non-existent legally, but was very good at one point in the season. I mean, they, they had 323 yards against the Broncos, where Isaiah Crowell went off for 219 yards. So maybe after the bye week, Crowell is rested and returns to what he looked like earlier in the season, and maybe they just can get that running game going. It's just been very inconsistent this year, and I think that obviously would help whoever the quarterback is. And that, to me, looked like what the Titans kind of did to the Patriots is just get that running game going and everything flowed from there.
0: Brian, how can people follow you on Twitter?
1: Uh, at Brian Coz, B-R-I-A-N-C-O-Z. I look and forward – yeah, go ahead. Be ready Be ready for sarcasm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, I, I, I see it. I, I do like your uh, picture of Sam Darnold as your um, – My scouting picture? Yeah, your scouting picture of Sam yeah. Darnold.
1: <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I got Ian O'Connor next to me in that picture too, I think. The Belichick author was there that day. Is so. that right? Yeah, you know, he was there. He's had him standing next to me in that picture. And I, of
0: course, <laughs> that uh, the the uh, panoramic uh, uh, photo in your main page is the uh, press box yeah. photo. Yes,
1: right. Yep.
0: Well, I look forward to seeing you on Sunday, Brian. It'll be fun. I think it'll be a closer game than people uh, than the nine and a half point spread would suggest.
1: Yeah, we'll see. It's, it's usually close in that wise between these two teams for whatever reason. Foxborough is a little bit of a different story, but usually the Jets can they play these guys uh, pretty tough at home. So we'll see if they can keep it going. But thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it.
0: Anytime. I want to thank everyone for downloading today's podcast. I want to thank our great guest, Brian Costello, covering the Jets for the New York Post and WFAN. Remember, he doesn't write the headlines. See, I did read your uh, Twitter bio. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> also want to, of course, thank our great sponsors, The Athletic and Robin Hood, for producer Mike Alonji, our executive producer Larry H. Russell, and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. This is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media.